0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Meet Us in Paris, the podcast that takes you on a journey through the most captivating UNESCO World Heritage sites today. I am your host, Zen, and I am thrilled to be joined by my super awesome co-hosts, Tanya and Kristen. Hey, guys.
1: Hi, there. Hi. Hi. Hello.
0: <laughs> so to today, I, I'm, isn't that what Ringo Starr said? I'm just happy to be here. No, um, today. <laughs> <laughs> now I really love that we <laughs> said <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, you never seen that Saturday Night Live? It's like, I'm just happy to be here. Anyways, um, today we're going to explore the rich history, cultural significance, and breathtaking beauty of a handful of what I mentioned as UNESCO World Heritage Sites that has had the most impact upon us personally. So get ready to be transported from around the globe, across the globe, without even leaving your seat. So let's go. Kind of dive in a little bit. UNESCO websites cover everything from ancient wonders to natural wonders and also some man made. These sites have been recognized by the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, UNESCO for short, for their outstanding importance to the world. We're going to talk about a few places that we love, unveil their secrets, share fascinating stories, And maybe give you a few insider tips for your future travels.
1: I didn't know that's what UNESCO stood for. I should know that. but I didn't
0: didn't either. I had to look it up.
1: (sighs) Okay, okay. It's kind of a mouthful, to be honest. It is. Yeah, so UNESCO is way better. So anyway, so whether um, you're an avid traveler or simply a curious soul, um, we'll make sure you feel like you're right there with us, soaking it in the beauty, immersing yourself in the history.
2: That's right, Tanya. We're gonna delve into the architectural marvels such as the Guggenheim, and we will wander through a very specific location in New Delhi, India. There's truly something for everyone.
0: But okay, before we begin our know. fantastic Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. We're both excited to, to get yeah, going. Go. You go all right (laughs) before we continue our exciting journey let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor we'll be right back with more enchanting tales of unesco world heritage sites stay tuned
0: they're called goals for a reason there's something to strive for they require attention and they need sweat and hard work to achieve do you have a career goal at uci division of continuing education we're here to help With over 60 certificate programs available, we've helped over a quarter million students reach their goals. And we can help you reach yours, too. Start today at ce.uci.edu. That's ce.uci.edu. Welcome back, fellow adventurers. So before we...
2: Before we begin, we probably should mention what a UNESCO World Heritage Site is. A UNESCO World Heritage Site is a place or area that has been officially recognized and listed by the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization for its exceptional cultural and natural value to humanity. These sites are considered to be of outstanding universal importance and are protected to ensure their preservation for future generations. UNESCO World Heritage Sites can be diverse and include a wide range of locations such as archaeological sites, historic cities, cultural landscapes, natural parks, and even entire regions. To be included on this list, a site must meet certain criteria, which are classified into cultural, natural, or mixed, both cultural and natural categories. So, the cultural criteria include representing a masterpiece of human creative genius, exhibiting an important interchange of human values, bearing exceptional testimony to a cultural tradition or civilization, or being an outstanding example of architectural or technological achievements. Natural criteria encompass outstanding geological processes, exceptional biodiversity and ecosystems, significant habitats for threatened species, or areas of exceptional natural beauty and importance. Currently, there are over 1,100 sites around the world that have been inscribed on the UNESCO World Heritage List. But today, we will each discuss one or two of our favorites. Well, great. I'll start out with
1: mine. I am um, going to talk big surprise Argentina because <laughs> um, that, Argentina's got a lot to offer. So, oh, yeah, uh, this one know. I like. I was excited to see because I went there on my honeymoon. So this one has a special uh-huh. kind of, um, you know, place in my heart. It's um, Glaciers, Los Glaciares National Park, which is way down south in Patagonia. And it is um, it actually I, I learned more than I did when I was there because of course you read about it um it's comprised of the national park and a national reserve which it, and it has um a surface area of 600,000 um hectares i can't even know how to pronounce that but i think it is 2300 square miles which is quite a lot wow. it's yes wow. yeah so the glacier you know it has its name is because of the all the many glaciers which is half the world heritage property which is is huge anyway um, in 1981 it was declared uh, a UNESCO site for being an example of the geological process of glaciation which of course uh, besides their additional like you know beauty um, and 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 the, the biggest thing is because it's one of the few glaciers that doesn't melt which is interesting Ooh. so yeah, in the park today in 2023 yes it is um it is. It melts, but then it, it recovers right away, and then it, it just kind of has this cycle. Um, okay. So uh, I'll probably jump into one of the most exciting things to to look at when we were there. For example, is that there's a rupture of the of the glacier. It um let me see because what happens is it's it's part of the Patagonian Andes, and then it's all these different glaciers ongoing in large property. Okay. And let's see. um, It has the one that's the most important. It's called Perito Moreno Glacier. There's several, but that's the biggest one um, because it has, um, it it flows into the, I'm trying to think Lake Argentino. Um, It is five kilometers wide, which is like three and a half, three miles wide and about 240 feet above the surface of the, you know, of the, I guess, sea level. Mm -hmm. And it has, it's 550 feet deep. And what, like a big spectacle, there's crowds and TV is when all the ice has nowhere else to go after it, you know, starts to grow and then it breaks. And it looks like, oh my God, the world is ending. All the glaciers are falling. But it's just that it ruptures because there's, doesn't have anywhere else to go. It's like, it says the tongue of the lake is blocked so um. so the pressure and the weight pushes it it to do that there's no outlet so it rises the the river and it bursts but it's a spectacular thing to see so people come from all over there's like people camp there to look at it The the sound is crazy when i was there one time in argentina when the whole tv everything stopped so they could watch the Perito merino Fall down. Oh
2: wow
1: yeah so when we were there for our honeymoon um it didn't didn't rupture till like two days after we came back so you know had we done it a little later we could have seen it and it happens like sometimes every year sometimes every two or three years it it just you, there's a different cycle um that happens on and off during mm-hmm. nature so it's a massive outpouring of water because all the different like you break it and then all the waters come together so it's pretty incredible kind of a spectacle of nature um so like between june and december it starts to um to advance and then in december which is their summer through april it recedes and that's when it starts to to crack so um, trying to think of what else. Um, it is really that area is really kind of, um, a lot of altitude. It's, it, it's like 3,000 meters up, which is 10,000 feet. And so you can go from, like, I'm wearing a t shirt in the summer. But it was like glaciers everywhere. It was very surreal because it wasn't cold. But then you go on the boat and then it's freezing. So it's it's strange. Then you climb up a little bit and you're cold again. And um, the last thing we did, I think, when we were there is we did ice hiking. So get the little, you know, the shoes that I don't know what they're called. And you what get on. Like there spikes you know? in them? Yes. Uh-huh. I don't yeah, know if I nice. would do it now. That was 20 years ago. Um and uh, I know that that park has been a lot of money has been given the government to because it's a really big deal, and so there's a lot of tourism there. But it is something I would go back and look at. It's it's just majestic. It's so different than anything I'd ever seen. There's it's just really good. I do say um, on the side of um, of Zen that it shares some of it with Chile. <laughs> and i know there's a little bit of uh no it's mine no it's mine but we won't talk about that so. <laughs>
0: that's all in um, south america it's interesting
1: <laughs> exactly you're right
2: <laughs>
1: anyway so that's that Perito moreno if anyone you know wants to go see something very cool and different that's a good place
2: that sounds beautiful how like where exactly in Argentina
1: is it? So if you go, it is the, almost the very top end to end at the very bottom. Like the very oh. tip. Yeah. You're
2: down all that way. Yes. It's crazy. Uh-huh. Isn't that where they like take the cruise ships to Antarctica from?
1: Yeah. So some of them do. Um, there's a big park called Ushuaia, which I think it's mm-hmm. another one that's shared with Chile. and um, And so it's that 's the very tip, but then, if you go a little bit up more, because I was looking at the map, and we seem to have covered a big section of it um so yeah, so there are boats that go out or ships, and um and depending on the time of the year, you can go or you can 't go right because of the
2: right of the right and and how
1: did you get there? Did you fly from Buenos Aires? yeah, we flew there, and then we happen to have my husband's um like childhood friend who mm-hmm. was living there at the time. He was a photographer. Oh.
0: Oh, and so wow. we
1: knew all the all the places. So it was really mm-hmm. nice to know that someone knew, you know, where to stay, what to do. Um, so that was and then of course we had an embedded photographer with us <laughs> everywhere <laughs> we went. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so we always say that we spend our honeymoon with him. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> nice. So well, um, really but connection. we flew in about a four hour flight.
2: It was long for yeah, you know, for something local, right? 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 Oh, that mm-hmm. sounds like such a neat opportunity, though.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, I really recommend people do that. It's a little pricey. A lot of Europeans, um, it's it's not cheap. It's like regular prices,
2: mm-hmm. tourism mm-hmm. prices. It's right, not, right.
1: Okay, so we'll mm, go.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Okay. So I don't know who's next. That's my I'm story. Play.
0: Okay, so. Okay. I'll one find. of the things about um the UNESCO sites is they were talking about some of their are nature created and some of them can be created by people. And one of the things that I saw, yes. and it's just very dear to my heart, is um apparently the all like something like eight Frank Lloyd Wright um Frank Lloyd Wright houses or buildings in North America were considered UNESCO um, UNESCO World Heritage Sites. So the two that I'm going to, one or two I'm going to quickly go over is, the first one is Falling Water. Now, if, go Google it if you don't know what Falling Water is, but essentially it's a house um, that was designed in 1935 by Frank Lloyd Wright. And this house, what makes it so distinct is it's in the woods, and two things that make it really stand out. One is it's a cantilevered house. What it means by a cantilevered house is parts of the house kind of stick out and it actually does, has no supports on the underside of it. It's actually cantilevered off of the edge of part of the building of their structure. So it looks like parts of the building are hanging in midair. The second thing is that it's actually Whoa. on a river. So they built a house on the river. And the story is there's a family called the Kaufman family. Um, the Kaufman family, if I recall correctly, it's been a long time. I think they own department stores in Pittsburgh. That's kind of what I remember, but they're a very, um, very rich family. And so they went to Frank Lloyd Wright and said, Hey, um, we'd like you to design a house for us. And we like, it, we have a vacation house. We have this property in the middle of the woods and we love this. We go camping. And could you build us a house here? And Frank Lloyd, and he goes, and Frank Lloyd Wright said yes. And they said one of the beautiful features is it has this beautiful river on it. And they said go to town. And the family had assumed that Frank Lloyd Wright was going to build a house right next to the river. Instead, Frank Lloyd Wright built the house on the river, and it is the coolest house. So. Yeah. Are you looking at pictures of it? Or
1: yes, I am amazing. Okay.
0: So the house is on yeah. top of the river, and it looks like there's a you know, it's a very modern structure, but it looks like a river is coming out from underneath the house. And what's amazing about this house is when you actually go in this, it's just a scale, you have to go there to see the sizes of everything. But when you're in the main living room, you'll see a pair of s- set of stairs that go. You're like, oh, I'm on the main floor. But when you go down the center of the stairs, the stairwell opens up and the stairwell goes into the river. So you can jump, go from the living room, walk oh, down the stairs, and go up. right into the river to swim. And wow. it is the coolest thing. So wait, where
2: is this located again?
0: This is in Pennsylvania. Wait, Michigan. I'm sorry, Michigan. Okay. Michigan. No, no, it's Michigan. Oh, it's Michigan. It does look I'm very
2: sorry. lush and and foresty, right.
1: so Oh,
0: it's beautiful, my goodness. Yes, I believe it's. I'm certain. Wait, now I'm now I'm, now I can't remember. I I went <laughs> there. I oh, went. I can
2: second guess through. yourself.
0: No, you're, Yeah, I because the reason why I see Michigan is my friend is um, from Michigan, and um, geez, no, 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 It's it's um Pennsylvania. It's Pennsylvania. Outside of pencil, it's it's Pennsylvania. Okay. And it's about an hour and a half away from downtown Pittsburgh. I got this confused because the friend that I visited with is a architect from Michigan. And for some reason, I thought I went to visit him and then we went to Falling Water. No, we met in Pittsburgh and then we went to Falling Water. So, sorry, sorry, sorry. But it's beautiful. It's beautiful. You have to see it. When you went to
1: Falling Water, you were there in front of the house looking at it?
0: You can take a tour, and you can like, go into are you the
1: outside. House. Is that how it works?
0: No, no, no. So oh, you you, you take a tour, tour and you can actually go into the house, uh-huh. and they have like a docent who will take you around the house, and show you the house and all the features of the house, why it was built. You know, Frank Lloyd Wright is very famous for designing the interior. So, like, the inside looks like the outside. The outside's inside. Um, there's no distinct. He tends to have glass goes glass corner so there's no structure in between so it's just like an unimpeded view lots of his decorations like even the furniture quite often can be designed to look like local fauna so it's it's the most gorgeous house that you've ever seen but it was actually a terrible house is what i was told Um, because it was so humid on the inside that if you left shoes inside, like they would start to mold and stuff like that. So the, they have, when you talk to the docent, they tell the family, tell, they have the stories from the family about, you know, what a wonderful house, but sometimes an impractical house, how much fun they had, but at the same, so it's, you got to go see, you have to go to the tour. So. That is one of my favorite places to go to. I love
1: to. that. I had no idea. Yeah, that sounds really wonderful. Yeah, I, I don't think I would have known to go and, uh, and tour it. Okay,
0: yeah. So, um, it's, it's very anyways, cool. it's it, and the other part is Frank Lloyd Wright is very famous for when he builds a house, he likes to use local materials. So, like in California, like if cool. he makes a concrete <laughs> house, he'll use sands really or. Good rocks that are local this house was made with sandstone and reinforced concrete but it was from the area as well so uh rocks are from the area those types of things so yeah and in it's like it's really wildly popular 180,000 visitors a year um it's a national historic landmark as well um it's uh the smithsonians once listed it as the top 28 places to uh see before you die um it's it's just fantastic you gotta go check it out and if we have yes, time i'll talk about amazing. the guggenheim so i'm gonna pass it off to you yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think
1: we're gonna make time
0: <laughs>
1: sounds awesome
0: because i talk too much
2: <laughs> so i no it's good that's it's what um, you know, I'm not really a big planner when I travel. I don't look up a lot of stuff before I go. I just kind of, whatever I'm going to see, I'm going to see. Um, so, uh, when I was in India, it was in new Delhi and obviously the big draw in India is the Taj Mahal. However, um, it's located in Agra, which I think is about a four hour drive from Delhi as it is. Um, it's, it's quite far. It's, it's not just a, hop, skip and a jump. So I wasn't able to, I had like one free day in Delhi. I wasn't able to go there. So I was just wandering around, um, kind of the city. And one of the big draws within the city limits is, um, Humayun's tomb. And it turns out that this is a, um, UNESCO site. And to me, being in India where everything is so foreign and beautiful to me, I could have sworn like everything there was probably a UNESCO world heritage site. Um, But this one especially was just, I I remember it very vividly. It's um, beautiful. And it turns out that this tomb, um, it was built in 1570. And one of the reasons it has such cultural significance is because it was the first garden tomb on the Indian subcontinent. And this tomb is what inspired several major architectural innovations, um, including the Taj Mahal. So this predated the Taj Mahal and actually kind of inspired it. Um, so it is the first of the dynastic mausoleums that were to become synonyms of Mughal architecture, with the architectural style reaching its zenith 80 years later at the Taj Mahal. Um, it's a com- this whole tomb area. It's a whole like garden complex. Um, so there's like grounds that you walk around in different buildings, um, and it's about. 27 hectares. Um, and let's see, it's like has, it's built, I don't know what it's built out of, but it's like red, it's like a reddish color. And it looks very like, like the Taj Mahal looks very like kind of, it has the, um, you know, those, like the archways that are come to a point (laughs) I, mm-hmm. I don't know the architectural term. And it has like the, the pointed domes on top. It's decorated beautifully. It's it's just very um eastern. Um the the whole style of it, of course. And I remember when I was there that place was overrun with chipmunks. Chipmunks galore! <laughs> the lore.
1: Never heard yes. of chipmunks in India
2: apparently that's a thing and I didn't know that. And I remember being like, wow, there are a lot of chipmunks here. And then at some point, maybe it was at an airport there. They had a lot of like chipmunk swag. And I was like, Oh, I guess that's a thing. I didn't realize. I I didn't Um, think
1: I'd hear that word today or that phrase chipmunk swag. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
2: Um, But so this specific tomb in Delhi was built in the 1560s. Um with the patronage of Humayun's son, the great Emperor Akbar. So it was Persian and Indian craftsmen who worked together to build this garden tomb. Um, And it was far grander than any tomb built before in the Islamic world. Um, And this garden tomb is an example of the Charbagh, which is a four quadrant garden with the four rivers of the Quranic paradise represented with pools joined by channels. Um, The garden is entered from lofty gateways on the south and from the west with pavilions located in the center and eastern and northern walls. So it's just a very beautiful grounds, amazing architecture. And as I learned later, huge significance because it inspired so much of what came afterwards. And I was really surprised, too, because in my head, UNESCO World Heritage Sites were like kind of anything historic that still lasts (laughs) So I was, like, looking at places I knew how I had gone to see if there were UNESCO sites, and they weren't. Uh-huh. Um, so you, as, as we read in the beginning, like, they have to meet very specific criteria. Right. Um, so the criteria that this one meets, um, so it was built on a monumental scale um, with no precedence in the Islamic world for a mausoleum. So this had important architectural innovations. Um, and... Of course, it, was, it became characteristic of Mughal imperial projects culminating in the construction of the Taj Mahal. And this and other contemporary 16th century garden tombs within the property form a unique ensemble of Mughal-era garden tombs. The monumental scale, architectural treatment, and garden setting are outstanding in Islamic garden tombs. This one is the first important example in India and above all else, the symbol of the powerful Mughal dynasty that unified most of the subcontinent. So had I looked at that beforehand, I would have been able to appreciate my time there probably a little (laughs) bit more, but I was still quite, quite impressed um, while I was wandering around there. So um, definitely something you could check out if you're in Delhi and can't make it to the Taj Mahal. Technically, this was the original Taj Mahal. So
1: (laughs) nice (laughs) That's a good story.
2: Cool. Yeah. A long Um, one. Mouthful. Yeah. Yeah. Does anyone have a second one they want to offer up
1: yeah i think didn't Zen your mr unesco today
0: you know what <laughs> i'll just give a super short one um i know we're coming close to time okay. the reason but um the guggenheim in new york city if you haven't visited you got to go check this place out mm-hmm. new york city um i think it's just one of the most interesting buildings that i've ever been into um first time i remember coming into it you always see the outside but they don't often don't show the inside they it's essentially you'll Mm -hmm. see like a circle kind of like a tornado kind of shaped structure on the outside of the building when you get on the inside you see it's actually on the inside it's hollow but there's a ramp that goes all the way up to the um to the top of the museum and it makes it one of the most interesting museums in the sense that it's a linear museum. Lots of times you go into a museum, you could go left, you can go right, you can do it out of order. You go into a room, you know, all the walls are different pictures or different types of art, and then you look at them at, in the order that you wish. That's interesting about what's interesting about the Guggenheim is because it's on a single ramp it can also it can be utilized in you have to see all the artwork in order, in addition to people have a tendency to go from the bottom up. It was actually my understanding to go take the elevator up to the top floor and then go walk down on into the guggenheim um some of the other things that I think is very interesting is it is curved, but um, it's designed to show statues. It's designed to show paintings. It's designed to show things of various different um, different types of art, sculpture or paintings and such. And so every time they put up a sculpture, yeah. one of the things you have to do is you have to build a special box because it's on a ramp. So everything has to be a custom built wow. platform So if it's a sculpture that won't be leaning on the ramp and lots of times they will have artwork that has to be hung. And the only thing they can do is essentially they'll drill into, I I don't know if it's a concrete or the ceilings, and then they'll drill into the concrete, put an anchor up there, hang the artwork, and then they'll remove it after the artwork is removed from the area and they'll plug up the holes. So if you go through the Guggenheim You'll see lots of holes and whatever that have been patched up within the Guggenheim walls and floors because um, that's kind of 50 years worth of exhibits. So you're also seeing some past things, things that happened in the past. You may not know what it is, but it shows a history of all the different types of artwork um, that's been in there. Um, I could go on all day about this, but I think what's a better way (laughs) is... There is a podcast called 99% Invisible. Um, it's hosted by a gentleman named Roman Mars. And he talks about design in general. And the Guggenheim teamed up with him. And he does an audio tour of the building. And you can listen to the audio tour um, without being in the museum. Um, so look up 99% That's Invisible.
1: Really good.
0: 99 99%. Okay invisible and then Mm -hmm. we're put in the word guggenheim he's done a whole podcast on it but i also believe you can hear the whole um the whole tour online without actually physically being there and it's just the history of the building is just amazing so give that a try
2: very cool that's awesome Mm -hmm.
1: that's good let's see who are we? What are we doing now?
0: <laughs> I think we're done.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, look at that. that. Okay, well, on our next episode, we'll be discussing the mystical wonders of Angkor Wat in Cambodia, the archaeological treasures of Pompeii in Italy, and the magnificent pyramids of Giza in Egypt. You won't want to miss it. No, I won't. For
2: <laughs> <laughs> sure. And remember, our goal is not just to inform, but also to inspire. We want to ignite that wanderlust within you and encourage you to go out and experience these incredible sites firsthand.
0: Meet us in Paris' University of (laughs) California, Irvine, Division of Continuing Education Production. If you need a career boost, looking to increase your workplace knowledge or seeking a new profession, check them out at ce.uci.edu for their professional courses. And thanks again for tuning in.
2: Bye. 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 <laughs>